Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. All right, take your Bible and turn with me back to the book of 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to look at a passage this morning uh, that um, some of you may uh, think I'm meddling instead of preaching. Uh, but blame it on John, blame it on the Holy Spirit uh, for the words that, uh, that he uh, inspired here. Uh, Wearsby, uh, in his uh, writing, says of John, uh, that uh, in, well, uh, specifically of 1 John, uh, said that um, uh, he, uh, his, his, the letter is kind of like a spiral staircase. It just kind of keeps uh, going round and round and coming back uh, to the same uh, three topics, uh, love, obedience, and truth. Love, obedience, and truth. Uh, just keeps coming back uh, to those uh, three things. But every time he comes back, uh, it is like um, uh, E.V. Hill once said, uh, said he was going to preach a diamond sermon. Uh, said, and that's where you take the passage and you hold it up and you turn it a little bit like a diamond. And every time you turn it, you see something different. You get a new uh, flash of light uh, from that diamond. Well, that's what John does uh, in, in this letter. He, he keeps covering these three topics, but he keeps covering them uh, in different ways. And he keeps coming back uh, to, to each one and uh, looking at it. Uh, in a uh, in a different light, and what he's going to do today, uh, he's going to we're on that love topic. He's going to talk about love, uh, but he's going to do it uh, by comparing it to hate, uh, and uh, and and looking at uh, those two, uh, and and challenging us uh, on that issue, whether we uh, love or, or or hate. And, and, and what that says uh, about our relationship uh, with the Lord. And, and again, this is, um, uh, again, it's really, on, on one hand, it's a straightforward uh, piece of Scripture, but on the other hand, uh, it's a little bit difficult uh, because... Quite honestly, we don't, we don't like the topic. Uh, John challenges us. We, uh, I think, sometimes justify uh, our uh, attitude and our feelings towards others based on uh, what they have done. Uh, but what we discover in John and other places in Scripture is God doesn't tell us to love the lovable. Uh, he doesn't tell us it's okay to hate the hateful. Uh, he tells us to love one another. Uh, he doesn't give us any uh, option. He, and imagine, uh, again, if God operated that way, if God only, only loved the lovable, uh, pretty much everybody in here would be in bad shape. Uh, he would have rejected us. And so uh, that's what John is uh, doing here uh, in this passage. And he, remember, he's been talking all along uh, about our walk with the Lord. And he says, if you're walking with the Lord, uh, it's going to be evident uh, by how we walk love uh, each other, our attitude, our uh, relationship uh, with each other. Christians uh, love each other because we have all uh, been born uh, of God. I don't love Tommy uh, because he's lovable. Even though I did, I, I love him for that song he sang. I love that song he sang. Uh, yeah, we love one another because we are born uh, of the same father. Uh, we are of the same family. And so uh, we are all brothers and sisters uh, in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have uh, this position uh, that we're in. And John begins 
by uh, showing us this contrast uh, again between uh, love uh, and hate. In verse uh, 10, uh, he says that where uh, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil, whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So uh, that's the background. In verse 11, he kind of tells us uh, why he said that. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. He says, you've heard it from the beginning, uh, that we should love uh, one another. And so he, he lays it out very clearly uh, that uh, he says, you, know, you really don't have an option. Uh, we have been told from the beginning uh, to love uh, each other. And uh, as we uh, look at this, uh, as you're following along on the back of your bulletin, you only got uh, two points. That's to make you think we're going to get out early. I've got more points than that. Uh, he, uh, John says he's going to contrast this morning uh, love and hate for us. And uh, say here uh, it is our options. First of all, he talks about in that statement our practice. He says, for uh, you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. That should be uh, our practice. That should be uh, what we are known for. I want to, uh, for a moment, challenge your thinking for just a second and your memory uh, and ask you to think, uh, as you have heard people over your lifetime uh, talk about uh, churches and Christians, as you have heard those discussions made, many times when you hear someone talk about a church, uh, they will talk about the music program, uh, they will talk about the youth program, they will talk about the preaching, they will talk about, uh, you know, the facilities, they will talk about the missions work, uh, they will talk about, uh, you know, all kinds of various aspects uh, of the church. But I can tell you uh, that in almost 40 years uh, of ministry, I've been asked all those questions by people uh, who were concerned considering uh, changing churches or picking a church, moving into the neighborhood. Uh, they want to know about, uh, you, know, what, uh, you know, what translation of the Bible do you use? They want to know uh, about, uh, you know, are you conservative or liberal? What denomination are you in? they got all those questions. But honestly, uh, I, if I have, I don't remember. Ever been asked one time, are the people mean and hateful or do they love each other? Yeah, never been asked that question. Uh, you know, but, but John doesn't tell us uh, here in this passage. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead him uh, to tell us that. He doesn't say, uh, you know, Christians, y'all need to work really hard to have a good music program. You need to work really hard to, uh, you know, to have uh, good parking or whatever else. You know, you really need to work really. He says what you need to do is you need to be loving each other. He says, you've heard that from the beginning. So that's never been an option uh, in the life uh, of a believer, that we learn, uh, that we practice uh, loving uh, each other. Love, uh, again, reveals uh, a person's true nature. It shows us uh, who we are. It shows us uh, whether or not, ultimately it shows us, according to what John says, it shows us whether or not we are truly a child of God. It shows us, because let's be honest, most people, I'm just, yeah, it's my turn to preach, and so I'm just going to tell you my, my observation, most people are not all that lovable. 
Am I right? Yeah. You've been out to the store lately, if you've been to a restaurant lately, most people, and, and you do know that includes you and most people, right? Yeah. Most people are not that loving. So it takes a work of God in us to love that person. Now, again, I, I, I've used this before, but it always sticks in my mind what old Frank Burns said on Mass one time. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Yeah. It's easy to love the lovable. John doesn't say love the lovable. He says you've heard from the beginning, love one another. To love each other. That is the practice. That should be, listen, it's great if Christians, uh, you know, man, he's a great Christian. He, he knows, he's got memorized 400 Bible verses. Good for him. And he's a great Christian. He's a big financial supporter of his church. Wonderful. Yeah. He's a, boy, he's a great Christian. Every time the doors are open, he's in church. Do you understand this morning that a lost man can memorize Bible verses? A lost man can give to the church. A lost man can come to the church. Oh, he loves God. He's all the time going on mission trips. Lost people can go on mission trips. What John says is it takes a move of the Holy Spirit in a person's life to love the unlovable. To love each other. John says that's the real revelation here, is whether or not we're practicing love. That God, and why, think about it, why is that true? What do we know? God is pure, God is just, God is true, but ultimately God is what? God is love. And if God has saved us and the Holy Spirit lives in a human being, lives in a person, then the love of God is going to manifest itself. It's going to come out in the way that we treat each other, in the way uh, that, we, uh, that we act. If we don't love each other, if we're not practicing love, we are going against, we are opposing everything that God is. For God so loved the world. That's who God is. God loved. Listen, we're, if we're not practicing love, here's the contrast John is talking about very simply. If we're not practicing love for one another, then we are not following God. That leaves us with only one other option. We're following Satan. That's the only two choices. We're either exhibiting the nature of God or we are exhibiting the nature of Satan. Those are the two options. And so as we consider that, uh, John says, how do we know if we really love God? He says, we know if we really love God by not running around saying, I love God, but we know if we love God by whether or not we love each other. That's how we know we love God. That's how we know we, we are a follower uh, uh, of Jesus Christ. Are we holding grudges? Are there people that, uh, we, you know, that, that we have a grudge against? Are there people that, let's just be honest, are there people we might, if, if, if somebody, I can't think of what the sodium pentothal, that truth stuff that they use on spy movies, you know, if, if somebody was to inject us with some of that and the truth really come out, are there people that we would say, I hate? 
told you it was meddling. It wasn't preaching. I'm just telling you what John says. John says we are to practice love. Now, what does it look like? If we're critical, grumbling, mumbling, griping, gossiping, backbiting, ignoring, uh, you know, cursing, abusing, slandering. You know, you don't have to walk up and punch them in the throat to hate somebody. You know, we all learned this when we were about this tall, right? What did we learn? Sticks and stones? Am I the only one that learned that? Yeah, right. If you believe that junk, you just ain't never been hit with the right words. I'm going to tell you something. You get hit with a stick, it might leave a bruise, but in a week or two, the bruise will be gone and you'll forget about it. Somebody gets you with the right words, they'll stick with you for life. There are people today, 50, 60, 70 years old, that are haunted and living with, with, in the shadow of something that was said to them as a child, as a teenager. There's people in this room that way. Somebody called you stupid, or somebody called you fat, or ugly, or dumb, or told you. A lot, a lot of kids grow up being told, they'll, and this is, listen, I'm on, a, I'm on a parenting kick now. A lot of kids growing up being told, oh, you'll never amount to nothing. What do you expect your kid to grow up to be when you pump that into their head their whole childhood? Words hurt. You don't have to smack somebody to hate them. John says that, that, we, that, that we love people. If you, if you love you know, if you love your spouse, if you love your parents, your mother, your father, you don't call them ugly and you don't you don't do that. That's not what love looks like, John says. There's obviously a concept, there's obviously a difference here in, in how love and hate play themselves out, how they operate. No matter what we claim, no matter what we say, if we're not demonstrating love, we're not following God. You know how I know God loves me? You know how I know? What, what, look back. I want you back to John three sixteen. How do we know God loves us? The Bible told me so. The Bible told me so. But not the Bible tell me so. But God demonstrated it. He showed me He loved me. Thanks to Calvary, I know He loves me. To say we love with no action behind it. It's not love. It's not love. I'm going to be... You know, I slapped my own head ahead of time. So here we go. You ever been to a family reunion? And somebody will come up to you that you do not know. Maybe y'all know all y'all's family. I don't. Okay? 
But somebody that, I mean, some, you know, you don't know me, but I'm your mother's cousin's nephew, sister's neighbor's brother. Blah, 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 blah. Well, it's good to see you. I love you. What's my name? You don't even remember my name. You don't tell me you love me. No, that's not love. I suppose they don't hate me. But I can't really say they love me. Love is practiced. Love isn't just proclaimed. John says we practice love. Just like we practice hate, right? We practice hate. We don't like somebody. It's, it's, we, we have a certain actions when we don't like somebody that we live out. We see them, we avoid them. Their name, you know, their name shows up on caller ID, we don't answer. If they leave a voicemail, we don't call them back. Just like hate has action, love has action. And John says we practice love. And then he gives us a picture that, uh, that we look at here. In verse 12, it says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. John goes back and dips back in to the Old Testament. And he says, if you love, he says, Cain shows us hate. Hate had action in Cain's life. Go back and read Genesis. Go back and read the story of Cain and Abel. You know how Cain did, how did Cain demonstrate his hate for his brother? He killed him. I don't know who said it. I think it was Pansy's voice I heard. He killed him. Hate has action. He says, that's not love. He says, it doesn't, love doesn't persecute the righteous. Why did Cain hate? Why did Cain kill Abel? Because he was evil and Abel was righteous. And so he killed him. He killed his brother. Why? Because Abel was a believer. Abel followed the commands of God. Cain didn't have that sense of love of God in his heart. You know, I don't think any of us would read the story of Cain and Abel and say, you know that Cain, boy, he loved his brother. Upside the head of a rock. You know, boy, Cain, man, I wish I had a brother love me like Cain loved him. I got to tell you the truth. I'm glad I'm only a child. That's where brothers act. Nobody would read that story and say Cain loved Abel. You don't have to be a genius to look at that story and say Cain hated Abel. I'm pretty sure you'd bash somebody and kill him uh, you know, over an offering. What's that gospel song we sing? If that isn't love, I don't believe that qualifies. And so, again, John tells us, here's the day. He says they show up. They, they show themselves. Again, he won't, you know, again, I've already said, won't criticize. He won't persecute. He won't do all these things to his brother if he loves them. He won't do that. And look at this. And then John just says something that we, he kind of slips us a good one in. In verse 13, when he says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. He says, oh, there's hate out there. He says, the world's going to hate you. But as brothers and sisters in the family of Christ, 
We love each other. We don't excuse our actions because of the way the world operates. We don't excuse, you know, we, we, we're not being measured by what the world does and how they act. Listen, we live in a hateful, hate-filled world. But John says, you know, don't, don't let that influence you. Don't let that, uh, you know, don't be surprised that people like Cain hate you. People who are unrighteous, people who are evil, don't be surprised that they hate you, but you, as a child of God, should be different. Many times when we start talking about being a Christian, being different, we talk about things like what Dominic, and Larry, and Pansy, many others in this room, if you chose to, to talk about the difference in, oh, I used to drink and now I don't. I used to do drugs, now I don't. I used to do this, and now I don't. You know, these, these big, you know, big transitions. John says, if you really want to know if you're a follower of God, it's how you treat your brothers and sisters. Anybody in here know anybody? I'm not asking you to raise your hand and volunteer name. But I know people, don't you, who have quit drinking without ever getting saved. I know people who have made big changes in their life without ever getting saved. But if we're going to love like God loved, then we've got to have God living in us. He said, that'll be evident in our life. It will show in what we do. It will show in how we live. Some of you, you probably don't know the name. You may know, <clears throat> you may know his quote. Um, a Lutheran pastor, German Lutheran pastor back in the 1920s, early 30s, um, he, he was the one, uh, some of you probably uh, heard the statement, uh, made uh, when um, that, that he said uh, first they came for the socialist but I wasn't a socialist so I didn't speak out um, then they came for the trade unionist and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist then they came for the Jews and I didn't speak out because I wasn't Jewish and he said then they came for me and there was nobody to speak out for me that man, some of you probably heard that quote. Here's what he said. I love this statement. I'm going to read this because I don't want to booger up the words of a great man. The fellowship of Jesus has no promise that it will ever be in the majority. We must indeed guard against thinking that there can ever be any kind of human security or assurance against the world's hatred. All parleys, all truces, all peace treaties are unreal, for the world must hate the Christian fellowship. And because of the fellowship, so long as it is a Christian fellowship, cannot hate. The world must 
hate the Christian. But if it is a genuine Christian fellowship, he says, it cannot hate. Think about that. The world, he says, has no choice but to hate the believer. And the Christian has no choice but to love one another. No choice but to love one another. And then finally we see the proof. Look in verse 14. We know that we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. This isn't just something I decided to come in here and babble about this morning. John says here, he just puts it real straight. You know you have moved from, and I'm going to add a word here, for, I'm not trying to add or take from the word of God, I'm trying to clarify something. We know we have moved from eternal death to eternal life because we love the brother. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother, anybody follow along and see those words? Anybody who hates his brother, he says, is a murderer. He's a murderer. And we know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Listen, he says love is proof that we've moved from death to life. Love is proof that our life has been changed. You don't trust John? Look with me if you want to follow along. Look in the book of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, is said, Jesus says, As you have heard it was said by them in the old time, Thou shalt not kill. Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Listen, love is not the reason we have eternal life. Eternal life is the reason we love. It's the reason we love. Because God has loved us. He has changed us. He has given us eternal life. He has shown His love for us demonstrated his love on Calvary. We don't have eternal life because we love. We love because we have eternal life. Because God has changed us. Because God has rescued us. Because God has reconciled us to himself. Because God has cleansed us. Because God sent his only son, sent him to a cross, shed his blood, died there, resurrected on the third day. I, we love each other because he has demonstrated his love to us. And we demonstrate our love just like he demonstrated. We show people. We don't just walk around saying, oh, I love you. Everybody in this room. I use family reunion as an example, but there's a lot of others. Everybody in this room has had somebody walk up to you and say, I love you. And the thought ran through your mind, if you really loved me, you wouldn't have said what they told me you said. You wouldn't have done what you done. Y'all looking at me like I'm the only nut in the house. I know some of y'all's ten people. Come on now. Yeah. If you really loved me, yeah. You wouldn't have did that. You wouldn't have made that choice. You wouldn't have treated me that way. Listen, 
He says, if we don't love, if we have anger and bitterness and contempt in our life for others. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Are there people that if we see them in the grocery store, we go down the other aisle? Yeah, I mean, somebody go, say their name on caller ID, we don't answer the phone. So that's demonstrating, right? Is that, that what, do we demonstrate what? Well, here he says, then in these last verses, he says, here's the compassion I want you to see. Hereby, people, perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How much should I love them? I didn't write it. How much does he say? He says, we love like he loved. We ought to lay down our lives for them. Who shall have this world's good? Now John's going to get really fine. Whoever has this world's good and sees his brother has need and shuts up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwell with the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He says, love acts. Love demonstrates itself. You see your brother has need, and you ignore that need. He says, how in the world? And that's all he says. Look at that verse close. He says, whoso has the world's goods. In other words, he says, if you, you know, so if you have the ability to help, yeah. if you have the ability to help, I have on occasion had somebody ask me for help, ask me for you know, money or something, and on more than one occasion, and I think I can do it today, I have pulled out my billfold and went, Brother, I'd love to help you. Hey, Who knows? I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, but on more than one occasion, I have opened my billfold and went, can't help <laughs> you. Know, I, sorry, I'd love to. And I feel rich. I got $3. You know, when you didn't think you had anything and you got $3, that's rich. Right there, well, you need a QT for $3. But look what he says. He says, if you have the world's good, there are times when you can't help. But he says, if you have the ability to help, if you have the, if you have the wherewithal, if you have the resources, and it may not be financial, may not be food, but if you have the ability to help and you don't do it, how can you say you have the love of God in you? Now again, John qualifies that. John says, if you have it and you don't help, how can you possibly say you have the love of God in you? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for each other. Listen, 
How do we know Christ loved us? He says, because we, he laid down his life. How do our brothers and sisters in Christ know we love them? Not by patting them on the back and saying, I love you, but by our actions. He says, the proof is there. He says, when we have need, he says, we meet that need. Love has compassion and goes the extra mile. Does what it takes to meet the needs of people. Listen, he says, again, if you have the, the world's goods, the world's good there means the necessities of life. If you have those things, if you have those um, abilities, and you don't meet those needs, how can you possibly say you have the love of God in you? God the Father, sitting on his throne, looked down at you and I, and he said, they have a need. They need a Savior. And he had the ability to send that Savior to do something, and he sent his Son. If you and I are believers, supposedly indwelled by the same God, have the ability and we refuse to help our brother. He says, how in the world can you say you have God in you? And I'm sure know the name William Booth. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And the story goes that on one occasion, he sent out a one-word telegram to everybody in the Salvation Army, all his officers, all the people, and the word was simply this, others. Others. All it said. And that word, he said that to encourage his officers, members of the Salvation Army from around the world to meet the needs of others. Now, I will tell you, some of you may go home and you may go, that we, we're not a thousand percent positive that story is true. I'm just going to tell you that up front. But let me tell you what is pretty well documented. Salvation Army workers were and always have been known for their unselfish commitment to others. On May the 29th in 1914, the Empress of Ireland was sailing and sank, and on that ship there were 130 Salvation Army officers on that ship. 109 of those officers drowned that day. And not one of them when their body was found, had a life jacket. The few survivors from that ship told how the members of the Salvation Army, realizing and discovering that there weren't enough life jackets and enough life preservers for everybody on the boat, on the ship, took theirs off and gave them to other people. Even, not just women and children, but men took their, took their life jacket off and gave it to other people. 
with these words. I can die better than you. I can die better than you. Now, I don't know if William Booth truly ever sent that telegram to set up. But I know on that day, as that ship went down with those 130 Salvation Army officers, they lived out others. And I'm telling you today that as a church, as Christians, it's not about whether or not we're known for our preaching or our music or our education program, our children's program, our youth program, our adult program, our seniors program, all the other programs that churches like to put in place. There's plenty of them. I get mail every day. Another program. Another program. Another program. We could have 50 programs a day if we would subscribe to all of them. We can subscribe to all of them and a few more that I haven't heard of. And if others isn't our motto, if others isn't what we're known for, we're useless. We're useless. If others how can we say we see a brother or sister in need, we have the ability to help them, and we don't do it? How can we really say we know the love of God? I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. tell you, I struggle to study in this passage. Because it's harsh. It's harsh. It's hard to hear. It's hard to read. It's hard to be told that if we don't love others, how can we possibly say we don't love God? That's exactly what the Holy Spirit says to us this morning. In just a moment, we're going to sing, and I want to invite you to come. Let me encourage you to come and kneel at this altar. And I want to ask the people of this church to pray two things. You're here today, and you say, I know Jesus Christ. I know it. I know I'm saved. I know I'm a believer. I know I'm going to heaven. I want to invite you to come this morning and kneel and pray two things. First of all, Lord, help me show others love. Help me demonstrate the same love that you've demonstrated for me. And secondly, to come and pray, Lord, 
You know, I've prayed for revival in our church. I've prayed for the preacher. I've prayed for the music program. I've prayed for children. I've prayed for youth. I've prayed for the seniors. I've prayed for all those things. But God, this morning I come to you with one simple request. Others. Let us be known as a church that loves others. That others can see the love of Christ in us. Would you do that this morning? The moment when we sing on the very first note, would you step out and come and play those two things? I can't ask it of my church if I don't first of all pray it for myself. But most importantly today, you're here and you say, well, you know, I do have some people in my life I hate. You may not use the word hate, but you say I don't love them. Not demonstrating love. Then I want to ask you this question. According to John, he says you don't really know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're here today and you don't know Christ personally, you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, Would you step out this morning and come? Let us show you from God's Word how you can leave here confident of your relationship with Him. If you're online, I ask you to pray those same two prayers. If you don't know Christ, then you're online. Reach out. We'd love to talk to you. Lord, help me demonstrate love. And then, Lord, help my church demonstrate love. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. A lot of what John said this morning was hard to hear. Hard to digest. God, you tell us you're true for a purpose. God, in this hateful world we live in, believers' greatest testimony is that we love one another. You tell us that in your word. That the world will know we love you by how we love each other. Now help us as a church to demonstrate love. God, we do pray for God. We pray for young people. We pray for uh, for salvation. We pray for pray for all this stuff. God, I believe according to the word, those things will come as a result of what we love. Yeah, sing the Holy Spirit this morning to me and I need it. To stir our hearts. To challenge us to do it. To change it. And we do the honor for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And after the same
He says, all abortions, they don't get my way. I don't care what they say about taxes, schools, roads, and any of those other important issues. But if they kill a baby, I got no use for them being in charge of that. And so uh, pray and vote. Uh, if you're not registered to vote, get registered to vote. Um, and what we're seeing again is in many states, always some of the kind of what might, might be labeled as lesser elections, because of the Supreme Court decision, the liberals are coming out in mass to vote um, to try to get that to, to make changes to the laws. And so uh, you're, you're anti, I'm not saying if you're Republican or Democrat, but if you're opposed to abortion, you're ready to vote come November. It does matter. So remember that. Um, it be a thing. Uh, some backpacks for the, the uh, Appalachian Mountains. Um, can you remember this? It's really good. I just forgot. So uh, the, the candy you can remember. I know that Bob Blake and you were actually for Trump or Trump. So uh, remember that uh, this week. All right, let's dive into this one. Oh, uh, my mom's giving me a stink out. Um, Sunshine Club meets Thursday at 7 o'clock, 5 o'clock, you go 7 o'clock, 5 o'clock at John's. Right place? Long time. 5 o'clock at John's. So remember that. Alright, now we'll pray. Alright? Let's pray. Archie, I'm not say that. Thank you, Mr. Father, for today, and thank you, Lord, for your blessings on us. Thank you for being able to be here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you paid for our sins and continue to provide for us and care for us. 